0: Regardless of what duties you have them doing, regardless of what level of management they are, if they're making less than 80K, you would have to track their time, calculate their time, make sure that you have a system in place for tracking, authorizing, or approving overtime, and then paying out over time. Are you a business leader looking for strategies and tactics to help you navigate leadership and HR challenges as you scale? Each week on While We Were Working, we bring you our 35 plus years of experience doing exactly this for companies just like yours. For more game changing HR and leadership insights and to connect with us, check us out at whilewewereworking.com. Hey, what's going on? Thank you for tuning in to episode 33 of While We Were Working, a show all about helping you as a small business leader tackle your tough HR topics. As always, well, not always, because sometimes I take vacations too, but this episode, I'm joined by my awesome co-host, Summer Keytron, who is our consulting practice manager, and we are going to tackle two very important topics potential overtime law changes that you need to know, and let's just put all cards on the table. Do startups really need HR, and if so, at what point? So, Summer, you doing all right today?
1: I'm doing great, Joey. Welcome back. We definitely missed you, uh, but it's really wonderful to have you back on the show and we have some really interesting topics to chat about today, so hope you're ready for it.
0: I'm ready. Let's jump right in. And for those of you who are listening, go ahead and hit that subscribe button, uh, as well as the like button wherever you're viewing or watching or listening, so that we can keep in touch with you for future episodes. All right, Summer, go ahead and take the first topic for while we were working.
1: Today's topic is in regards to um, a Sherm article. Uh, which, you know, we speak about frequently uh, the the SHRM website because it's such a great resource for doing exactly this, taking something that's terribly complex and breaking it down and providing further resources. But there was an article uh, that came out June 23rd uh, about the proposed overtime rule now projected to come out in the fall. So to give you guys a little bit of history on this, um, twice a year, the government, Uh, they publish a report about the list of regulations that are under consideration for the next year for all government agencies. Now, if you don't know about this and you're so curious, uh, if you want to know what's coming down the pipeline from all of these agencies, you can actually go to a website. It is reginfo.gov forward slash public. And um, there's a ton of information out there. and, And what you can see is that, The Department of Labor uh, that oversees the overtime rules. Uh, Joey, on their spring agenda that was actually just published, uh, gosh, what was that? Uh, Last week, there's a couple of items that are on the Department of Labor's um, list of the agenda. So things that are um, under consideration for the next year. And for anybody who has employees, this is applicable to them. So pretty important that they listen up
0: yeah and um i think this is an important conversation to unpack for small businesses because we're often faced with the question of hey will you keep us compliant and what i like to tell businesses is well first the answer is yes but second i try to explain to them uh that a rule isn't just passed overnight right so Um, Even looking at this site for reginfo.gov, to your point, there are proposals, and then there's final rulings, and then once even things are final, there is a a typical waiting period um, that the government allows you to get in compliance. So um, you've got to be asleep at the wheel for a very long time before something happens, but um if you're not looking for it at all you wouldn't even know that you're not you're asleep at the wheel so i just wanted to give a little bit of context around kind of the state and nature of how the federal government creates policy puts it in place and then holds you accountable and the fact that we're always looking for these sorts of things
1: right yeah that's a really great point and we recognize that small business owners are super busy and it may be difficult to find the time to get out there. And even if you do go out to the website, uh, it's very content heavy. So there's just so much out there that even if you read it, it may be difficult to understand. And I would say that individuals in in the legal profession, they love this site because they're following it regularly and then they're providing their interpretation of um, what the potential impact is Um, of those laws to, you know, the various uh, companies and, um, you know, others that may be impacted by these change. And so I do think it's great to go out there and follow or, you know, partner with a company like Jumpstart to make sure that you're evaluating what's coming through the pipeline and how it can impact you. So, to kind of bring us back to the article and the Department of Labor's spring agenda, there's a few key things that I wanted to point out from this article and also from uh, the reginfo.gov site that I think small employers, or actually all employers, uh, but specifically small businesses, I think really need to think about uh, the potential impact on this. So, on the Department of Labor's list, I would say very, very high is addressing the minimum wage for workers that are currently in an exempt status and the real possibility that they may be raising the minimum salary level for those that are in an executive, administrative um, and professional exemption. So if they raise that minimum salary level um, right now, it's at thirty five thousand five hundred sixty eight dollars but there's talk that they might be raising it as high as $47,000 and if some advocate groups have their way it may even creep into the 60s, potentially the 70s. So Joey, what can you imagine that impact could have on not only small businesses but like all businesses and how significant is that in your opinion?
0: Yeah, there are a, f- a few things here and I'd love to unpack this a little bit more in um my, my round table this month. But when you raise well, so first of all, what this basically says is as long as you make over this amount, you don't have to pay someone overtime. Again, it's only one test, it's only one slice of the pie. But many times we don't look at all of the tests. We don't run jobs through job analysis to determine does it pass all the tests? So a startup or a nonprofit or any company that is not as savvy or on top of uh, HR labor law might say, okay, I wanna hire an employee, I'll pay them 40,000 a year, they're uh, exempt from uh, overtime, so we don't have to pay them if they work more than 40 hours in a week, but that isn't always true. Now, by raising, and it's not always true because again, the duties test, but when you lift that lid, from 35, 568 to uh let's just go to the extreme to 80k, what that then says is anyone who makes under 80k is eligible for overtime. So regardless of what duties you have them doing, regardless of what level of management they are, if they they're making less than 80k, you would have to uh first of all uh track their time Calculate their time. Make sure that you have a system in place for um, tracking, authorizing, or approving overtime, and then paying out overtime. We could go into more you know, pros and cons about this, but that's the biggest thing to wrap your head around is think about the employees on your team that are currently at a certain salary level, 35K or more. And then who's at that 47, who's at that 60, who's at that 80, and what adjustments might you need to make? Because if I'm an employee and I find out that I am on a salary and you're working me 50 hours, 60 hours a week, but I should be eligible for overtime, you better believe I am calling the Department of Labor and saying, my boss is not giving me my overtime and I need back overtime. And all of the fines and fees that come with that.
1: Oh, man, that's uh, that, that's bringing back some some real memories. But a few other things that I wanted to add to this is that, you know, the alternative that some companies may consider in order to preserve that exempt status is simply elevating that salary and that financial impact, you know, as an alternative to paying the overtime. That's always an option. And that's typically what I see most companies first evaluating when these types of changes happen is, okay, well, we'd like to preserve their status. So how much is it going to cost us in order to bring them to that salary? And it's a, significant, it's a significant dollar amount. But Joey, you also mentioned something about the duties test that I wanted to mention because on this spring agenda, the Department of Labor is actually also considering modifying the duties test to closely follow who, guess what, follow California standards. Which is, in in the simplest explanation, saying that uh, in order to meet the duties test, that 50% of time spent must be solely on exempt duties. So lots of potential changes coming down the pipeline. And, And the last one that I'll mention that I found the most fascinating of all is that um, the DOL is actually looking to find a way to uh, essentially create an automatic increase that's tied to the consumer price index. So that um, increases similar to what they're considering right now to raise that um, minimum salary level will be tied to, um, essentially tied to a process like if it was CPI, without having to go through the long legal process of updating it. And I think that that's um, one of the best things that I've heard the Department of Labor come up with to make it a little easier for employers to plan for this type of change.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think um, there will be many different opinions about this, but from your informed perspective, sounds like it's a good idea, almost uh, set it and forget it. Because you know you can look at CPI and then you have to adjust by X percent, um. So it sounds like a sounds like it's a good deal. And um, with you being in California, you have uh, the experience here. So, um, you know, the HR professional in California now can become a national expert in in all of these these things that are are standard in California. Was there any other things that our audience should be paying attention to with this particular topic? And could you remind us the timeline of when we should be picking our heads back up to look at this stuff?
1: Well, I take a look at it regularly. And I think that, um, you know, I I would definitely recommend that individuals go out to the reginfo.gov site and or, um, you know, reach out to one of us for support with navigating this at a minimum. just evaluating what it could mean uh, to their team. But the proposed overtime rule is tentatively slated to be released in October.
0: All right. So let's circle our calendars for October. Let's see if the department of labor has either a a trick or a treat for us. Uh.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my. Oh my. That was great. Well, well, Um, There's definitely a a lot more of this, I think, coming on future podcast episodes, but um, I think it's time to jump into Consultant's Corner.
0: Let's do it. So as always, uh, Jumpstart sponsors our episode and uh, Jumpstart, we provide HR services for small businesses and startups across the US. These conversations that we have here on the show are really conversations Summer and I have all the time with our team. So. Uh, we, we're seeing these issues, we're tackling them, and we're helping our client organizations go on to do great things, win great awards, and build a great workplace culture. And speaking of building uh, a workplace culture, uh, this question comes up quite a bit, whether it's in a um, sales call or at dinners or happy hours. You know, we, we work with small businesses and startups. And the question is, you know, well, do startups really need HR? And is it, is it really that important for a, for a founder or for a founder and employee one or a founder and contract person one to have uh, HR? So we wanted to tackle an evergreen topic that comes up all the time so that if someone asks you, is HR important to the startup? you'll know what the experts say. So I'll go ahead and do this one first since you, you uh, started with while we were working. I 1000% uh, believe that HR is important for a startup uh, even at, at when the founder has a dream, right? Because a founder's dream is to create a great product or deliver a great service, but none of that happens without people. And so my short thesis is: while you may not need a robust team, you do need to ask yourself certain questions, which Summer will get into. But also, uh, what are the um, people that you're looking to attract? How much can you compensate them? What does working in your organization look like, or should it look like? What do you want it to look like? And what are the rules of the road that you need to pay attention to? Because you're not building in a vacuum. You're building in a city, a county, a state, a nation that has, that has rules, laws, guidances, and best practices. And so you've got to pay attention to um, the question of your HR and people ops from day one because it's just as important as your product roadmap. What do you think, Summer?
1: It's so true, and I'm glad that we're chatting about this topic. While it's certainly broad, I agree with you. It comes up so often, and really, it's the main reason that uh, we have companies coming to us saying, "Can you help?" And we know the answer is yes. Startups do need HR, and um, at and for many of them, I think they have that discovery at different stages. So while we work with companies that may be as small as like just. Like literally, it's the owner making their first hire and they're coming to us and we're helping them from the very beginning. And we also work with companies who are significantly larger, uh, but maybe their needs are a little different. And the question that I'm always asking when uh, startups and small businesses are, are, are kind of asking this question, like, do they need HR? I ask them, like, well, how important are people in the future of your business? and i give them an opportunity to think about it and maybe i'll even ask like okay well are you planning on doing all of these jobs yourself forever and so they get to the answer of like okay yes i need people i need rock stars i'm not going to be able to do all of this and so you know we start talking about compliance and how there are so many different laws that companies need to navigate and then i ask them joey you know if you made an unintentional mistake with any of the laws related to um employing workers like would your company survive a potential lawsuit so then you know as the small businesses start thinking about gosh like this is pretty important because if i don't hire right then i'm not going to be able to scale if i don't follow the laws then i might my My business might end as a result of a lawsuit before it's really had the opportunity to start. and I think that that's the real foundation. as for why startups need HR, it's because we have the proven systems and processes that we know will grow with that startup, and we can help support them through that growth and you know, Joey, I'd love to hear a little bit about your thoughts on really um, where HR comes into play in terms of like scaling a business and gaining leverage. Because I know not only have you been on that journey historically with JumpStart, but you've uh, helped provide that that counsel to other small businesses as well.
0: Yeah, uh, and and Summer knows that we have a phrase that. Um... It's it's very dangerous if you're a, a small business leader to trust your gut and a Google search to run your HR department. It just it just doesn't work because your gut what may tell you something that's illegal, and a Google search won't give you the full context and picture around the laws, policies, ethics that you need to uh, to be successful. So. Um, I would say you need to have an advisor, you need to have an advisor uh, to run your ideas off of from the very beginning. Um, Something that could get in the way if you're looking to scale, I see this all the time, right? Okay, so a a entrepreneur would say, I wanna grow my business to be the best business that could ever be. And I'm gonna do it by hiring interns. And I'm like, okay well instead of just having a job for you you've also now created a job to to advise instruct develop coach all of these other people who don't have the requisite experience you're looking for but they may have potential so i would talk with you and say well what is your ultimate goal is it to scale?" and um, deliver high level service or is it that you want to get a minimally viable product out there first and then figure out what's next right so it's everything from do i hire an intern versus a professional do i hire a contractor versus an employee i think one of the things you realize when you uh grow and have a, a primarily consul- consultant or contractor's strategy is that you don't really get to share your vision for what a great company looks like because you don't even get to, con- you don't control that aspect of their work because you are in a contractual relationship. It's not an employee-employer relationship. So um, there's so many factors to the scaling and growing piece. And those are just those are just two, um, but I could go all day.
1: There's actually a conversation that I had In a sales call, most recently, that actually, um, I I think, ties into this pretty closely. This company was actually looking at um, creating a franchise model of their business, and we were talking to them about their HR needs. And I don't think what a lot of organizations recognize is that we have a lot of knowledge and experience also on how to scale your business not just HR specifically, but we're walking through these journeys with companies to see um, an aspect of the operational piece and how they tie in. And so in short, the conversation that we had was, you know, as they were considering this franchise model, I mentioned to them, okay, well what is your, you know, what is your big picture plan with how you're going to support these franchises uh, from an HR standpoint. And you know, this this company was just envisioning that, you know, that they would provide that support, and I had to help them understand the concept of joint employer relationship and why they really need to be leveraging external resources such as Jumpstart to provide that HR support to their franchises so that there is no potential tie uh between the the main company and the franchise, if there was any sort of missteps that happen uh on the franchise level. And I think that was a big aha moment for them that they just simply didn't understand. Uh, but at, you know, kind of the end of the conversation, they realized like, oh my gosh, I'm a startup. There's so much that I don't know. And I need to invest in my company and my dream by hiring those that have, you know, that have gone through this before and can be my advisor along the way.
0: Our companies are, are special to us, but they're not, and I'm saying this as a founder, like they're, they're special to us, but the operational science is not unique, All right, Like you, you got to apply the same principles, the same strategies, same expertise, to go out and create those special results. But if you don't have the expertise for accounting, marketing, uh, human resources, legal, you'll run into snags and challenges along the way that won't get you there when really, you just have to build your advisor team to get where you want to go. So, and then the last thing I'll say about this, as far as do startups need HR? I'll say, I learned it, um, Michael Bush, he says it in one of his classes. He says people problems become P&L problems. So people problems become P&L problems. So what may be a trouble employee that you don't know how to deal with, or what may be a talent gap that you haven't filled, ultimately it's going to impact your ability to be profitable. So you need to um, solve those things as quickly as possible. So your company can thrive and grow. That's all we got for today. Thank you as always. If you like this episode, go ahead and uh, let us know. And we will see you next week.
1: Thanks, everyone.
0: Thank you for tuning into this week's episode. Got more questions? Then make sure you check out whilewewereworking.com for more tips and resources. Or shoot us a message on social media. See you next week.